Mac Power Users, episode 451, Task Management Strategies. Hello, everyone. I'm David Sparks, joined by my pal, Katie Floyd. How are you today, Katie Floyd? I'm great, David. How are you? I'm doing good. I got a fancy new watch where you got some great stuff to talk about today. The life is great. Uh, so your watch finally came. Yeah, it did. Showed up. Uh, I've had it on my wrist now a little over 24 hours. Okay. So what are you, um, what are you thinking? Do you want to say something about it or do you want to save it to the next show? Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll just real quick, if you're on the fence about it, it's a great upgrade. Uh, the, uh, the new design is really nice. It's thinner and you can feel like I had to go to a meeting this morning and I put on my fancy shirt and uh, getting it under my cuff was a lot easier than it has been. The, uh, the big screen is two millimeters doesn't sound like much, but it is significantly bigger on my wrist at 44 millimeter. And I love it. I like the screen. I like that it's bigger. You know, the other thing they did is it's not just the watch got bigger. The screen is, is traveling further under the glass now. So it's more edge to edge and everything is bigger. And I like that. It looks great. It's easier to read. It's even easier to push buttons. You know, like when on some of the interface elements where you've got two buttons close to each other, and on the older watch, you had to like be very precise with your finger. You don't have to anymore. It's They're big enough and far enough apart that you can be a little more cavalier in pressing buttons on your watch. Well, I still haven't bought one yet, so I'm feeling very proud of myself. Still still rocking the Series 3. Everything's fine. Well, you know what? It's fine, Katie. I, you know, somebody has to like spend all of their money for the sake of the show, so I'll do it. <laughs> the, uh, speak, the speaker's louder. And the uh, the digital crown's got that little tick in it now. You know, it's got that little taptic feedback. Yeah, it's not really that noticeable, to tell you the truth. Uh, for me, the the big thing about this new watch is just the screen. I and I I know I listened to a couple podcasts uh, over the weekend, and everybody's like lamenting: Do they go with forty four or forty two? Do you go from the I'm sorry, from the forty forty four? Do they go to the forty? And a bunch of people who are on the forty two now want to go down to the forty. Oh, I just love that it's bigger. It's so much. It doesn't look bad on your wrist. It's so much easier to read, and um, it's got. You can put so much more information on it. I am. I'm not entirely sold on the infograph watch face, however. Well, is it just too busy or too loud, or what's going on with it? I, you know, I, I never thought I would say this, but it has too many complications. I didn't think it was possible to have a watch face with too many complications. But you look at it, and it looks like a circus. I. I am, uh, I'm still rocking the Siri watch face. I'm, I'm going to try and use the infograph for a couple of weeks and see if I can find uh, happiness with it at some level. But I mean, it is nice. I can kick off a workout and I can set a timer and I can do all these things from one watch face, but I'm not entirely sold on it. But also I'm kind of disappointed with the Siri watch face because with the uh, new version of, of a watch OS, third-party apps are supposed to be able to add complications to Siri, you know, so you can get it in your scrolling list of cool Siri things. But that really hasn't happened yet. I mean, cause that, that happens with the new, I should get that too. Yeah, you should. Everybody should get it. And all I get is carrot weather. I don't get anything. I've marked OmniFocus. I've marked them all. I don't know what the magic sauce is in there, but it certainly isn't letting these third party apps do much in Siri. So hopefully that gets better. And, um, you know, that's, that's a, a very high overview of the new watch, but it, it's nice. I, you know, going from a three, I'm not sure if it makes sense or not, but if you're going from an older one, it's a very worthy upgrade. And I, I think the Apple's really got the design good. I got the stainless one. It looks beautiful. 
and uh, the tap set feel good. Even the back of it's cool looking now, even though you never see it because it's hopefully on your wrist. But as, some, as someone who wears the watch every day and I use it for getting work done, not only just workouts, but just work work, uh, I love it. And uh, I think that this new one is a, is a welcome addition to my technology arsenal. Well, I look forward to hearing a little bit more about it on uh, our next MPU Plus because you'll have had it for about a month then and we'll see how things going. And, you know, they, they just um, dropped a bunch of betas of the 5.1 stuff and the, the 12.1. So maybe maybe there'll be more stuff in there that we can talk about. Um, one more bit of follow up and, and then we'll get right into the bit of the show. Um, I mentioned this because I, I might sound a little bit different this episode, and that is because I am not on my normal recording setup. You know, I've been talking a lot about my uh, 2016 MacBook Pro Tale of Woe, and um, I have finally bit the bullet and sent it into Apple Care. Uh, as we speak right now, I believe my Mac, it's in Texas. I don't know where, I think Austin, Texas is where it is. I think that's where I sent it to the repair depot. Um, I kicked off this process. Let's see, we recorded our last show, just a little insider baseball. We recorded our last show, David, I think on a Tuesday. And so Wednesday, um, after I got everything edited and uploaded to, uh, to Mark and ready to go, we, uh, we recorded, I, um, I called Apple care and I was on the phone with the guy for probably about five or seven minutes and told him all the stuff that I had done and, and where we were and what had happened and everything that I had tried. And he said, hold please. And I was like, okay, here we go. And he came back on about, you know, five or six minutes later and said, so we're going to send you a box. I was like, yes, 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 please send me a box. And uh, the box arrived Monday. We're recording this at about 6 p.m. on Tuesday. And so I have uh, overnighted my uh, MacBook Pro. It is Apple has had it. I got an email that they got it about 830 this morning. Um, And so as we record this, it's about 6 p.m. tonight. And uh, it is said, it says, uh, we're looking at your product. So I don't know how long it will stay that way. I have had cases where Apple has turned around to repair same day. So it's conceivable I could get this machine back as early as tomorrow. I, I really don't think so. It'd be nice if I'd get it back by the end of the week, but um, we shall see. I think it'd be nice if you got it back fixed. It would be. It would be nice if I got it back fixed. So let me, can, can, I, uh, can I forecast what I tell you I, I think is going to happen? I, I think I'm going to basically get entire new guts to this machine because everything um, on this machine is on the logic board. So I think they're going to get, and I've had some battery issues. So I think I'm going to get a new logic board and new batteries. Uh, so I think it's basically going to come back to me with the same display and the same, um, uh, the same screen, which is be fine. Be great. I think even the, the keyboard is attached to the logic. Board. I mean, you it's attached to the top case, I think. Yeah. All right. Um, so it's kind of like when I, canceled my cable subscription i was ready for a fight and they just said okay that's fine we'll do that <laughs> yeah but I'll, I'll talk about more about this on the last on our next mpu plus i've got a lot of feedback um from people who had this same generation machine and i was not necessarily the only person in this uh in this boat i probably had about a half dozen other people say that they've had uh same or similar issues with um a lot of good advice i'd already tried a lot of it but um yeah it's, it seems like either something is amiss with these or um Something just ain't right. All right. Well, let's get to the topic today. And uh, today's topic is all about uh, digital task management strategies. And the the genesis for this really is the release of OmniFocus 3, which is now on the Mac and iOS. And the, both Katie and I use it every day. And we were looking at, we did a show called the Task Management Smackdown, which was, it was like in the first 10 or 20 shows we did almost 10 years ago at the... um 
And I just wanted to, I listened to that show and I realized that the way I use a task manager has changed quite a bit in the 10 years. And uh, a lot of people are using them. And I thought, what well, we'll do. And I, I've been thinking about a lot because I did the field guide on OmniFocus recently. So um, I, I thought it'd be good to just talk through how we use digital task managers, what our strategies are, um, what works and doesn't work, and what kind of classes of task manager you want to be looking at. Uh, we can't revisit the SmackDown because when we did the last time, Katie was using things. I was using OmniFocus, but now Katie's using OmniFocus. That was a long time ago. Was it 10 years ago? Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. It was It was in our first year, and that's almost 10 years ago. The, um, uh, so, uh, so we're going to have someone back that is a big things user, and we're going to talk about things. But I wanted to talk about it when we can do it justice. Uh, OmniFocus or the Omni Group is an occasional sponsor of this podcast. They are not sponsoring this episode. In fact, they don't even know we're doing it. So, uh, and and honestly, my goal is not to make this a commercial about OmniFocus. It really is to talk about strategies you can use with any task manager. So, I hope if you're listening to this and you use things or you use reminders or whatever app you use to do your to task do it, start any of those. Yeah. yeah um, that you can pull some, some nuggets out of this one that you can use in whatever platform you use. So all those disclaimers over <laughs> um, it is a different time now. And I, I do feel like that we've, we've matured in the way we can use these digital task managers uh, gone are the glory days where we just had a big list and we added a million things to it. Now we're trying to get more sophisticated in ways to unearth the key data to us when we need it. And I want to, that's the goal for the show is kind of to talk about the different strategies for that and ways of implementing it on no matter what platform you're using. But I thought we'd start with just a little bit of task management history. Uh, so Katie, what have you been using to track tasks, you know, over the last life. few years and okay, okay, let's say life. If you can keep it short. Uh, I've been using a digital task manager for a long time. Um, I would say probably since the Palm pilot days is when I originally transitioned over to a digital task manager. So that has been at least since the very late nineties, the early two thousands is, is when I transitioned over to a digital task manager and have tried to use, you know, Apple's task managers because to say that Apple had task manager is is a real stretch for that. But they, you know, incorporated tasks into the calendar app and, and various other things. Yeah. I mean, something people forgot is that task management on the Mac uh, until the last decade was almost it was terrible. I mean, there really wasn't much they had. They had Apple had some half baked ideas. There weren't very many good apps. I mean, looking back at that old show, we were talking about an app called IGTD. I don't know if you remember that, but you know, there, there wasn't a lot of good solutions. Um, but when you said you've been doing it all your life, I had this vision of Katie, little Katie with a crayon. I could just see it, right? What would be on your list when you were like four with a crayon? You'd probably be like defrag Mac, um, <laughs> get a whole punch from my floppies. I could, I yeah, could just, that, yeah. That's, that's probably about right. So. Um, but the, uh, but, but so me, I got into the digital, I was using a lot of the Franklin Covey stuff for years, the paper books, and I had the binders, you know, on the wall with the year's worth of paper and like Katie with the Palm Pilot is when I really started going digital. Right. And, and I too used some paper planners. I, I used like the day runners. I think it wasn't quite the fancy Franklin Covey system, but you know, day runner had, 
you know, those popular kind of leather bound portfolio type planners that you could, you know, every year you'd go and get your new inserts to put them in. And every year you'd take your, uh, your contacts and you'd either rewrite them or you'd somehow transfer them into your day planner and, and those types of things. But, um, as soon as it could go digital, you did. I mean, I remember even back when I was in, um, the paper task planners, I will say never, never kept well for me. In fact, I was just having this conversation with somebody today in the office about, um, how, uh, oh, I know, because we were talking about a political topic that I won't go into. And they were like, do you keep your calendars? And I was like, well, yeah, I do. Um, I, 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 no, I don't. I don't keep my calendars. But I remember, like, back when I was in middle school and high school, like, the, the schools would always give you, like, like this planner and said, you know, here, here, use this planner, write all of your, your events and, and write all of your homework assignments and those types of things in there. And I will tell you that never really stuck for me. I would have about a week when they first handed out the shiny new spiral bound planner where I would, I would write in the planner and then I would never keep up with it. And sometimes like people would like, the teachers would like check your planner to see if you actually wrote in it. And so I would be that kid who like right before, you knew the teacher was going to check your planner on Friday to see if you had written in it, like, you know, Friday morning before the bell rang, I would be writing all kinds of fake stuff in my planner, you know, to, to pass the check. It it just it none of the paper stuff never really, really stuck for me. Um, but it was it was finally when we went to the electronic age, when it you know the idea of having all of this stuff in sync and not having to you know duplicate it week after week finally worked. Yeah, I mean by its nature, a paper system is a defer based task system. We're going to talk about this stuff later, so just put a pin in that if you don't know what that means. But the, you know, you would write down all your tasks every day and then you'd check off as many as you can. And the next day you'd probably look at the day prior and copy a bunch of stuff over. And I was on that treadmill for years of, of copying and planning and planning forward. And that was kind of the natural state for me. Once I went digital, I, I tried to use that same system. I think I've got a little more fancy now, but the, um, it's interesting to me there's this uh, push now. We had Joe Bulig on recently, and he was doing a paper planner experiment. And all, a lot of people these days are, are backing away from digital systems to set up a paper planner. And having used a paper planner when that was my only choice, I have no desire to go back to that. I, I think that is a, a downgrade for a lot of reasons that we'll talk about throughout the show. But, and I'm not holding that against you. If you're listening and you love your paper planner, you know, bless you. I, I have a daily journal. That's a paper book that I write in every day, but it's not a planner. If that makes sense. Well, I think, I think you might be, I don't want to say confusing, but I, I think you might be con- misinterpreting what people are using those, those written daily journals for. In fact, I just came back from the MacTrack legal conference this past, uh, past week and a lot of people were really extolling the virtues of a paper planner. And I don't necessarily mean a paper task management system or a paper to-do system, although you certainly can use it for that. But um, a lot of people were using um, particularly Michael Hyatt's you know, uh, focus planner, which I know has been a very popular one. But using it, particularly at that conference, because you can imagine it's a, it's a Mac and a tech forward conference, we're using that that planner in conjunction with a, uh, a electronic task-based uh, or electronic task management system, which I think Michael Hyatt actually does too. Um, and using the planner more for planning, long-term focusing, uh, what are what are my quarterly goals? What are my monthly goals? What are my big three things that I'm doing today? Which I know you've talked a little bit about that, that you do to some extent in paper. I don't know if you still are. 
as opposed to what what are the um, you know uh, seven thousand tasks that I have to do at some point that I keep in OmniFocus. You shouldn't have that many, Julian. I'm I'm watching you, um, but you know, and then you have to to then deluge through. Because I, I agree that a paper planner, a paper task management system isn't good for having, you know, once you get to the point of having hundreds of tasks or even dozens and dozens of tasks. But um, but I think using that paper for more long-term planning um, and more goal setting certainly can be valuable. Yeah, it's like the, um, any, just imagine anything, whether it's a bank or a, a tool shed or a place where you've got a bunch of stuff that you store and you go and you take it as you need it. I like to think of OmniFocus in my case, but any big boy task manager as that bank or that, that store of things that need to be done. And then the goal in creating a system, and we're going to talk about various systems on the show is how do you get out of that? The one you need today. And then if you want to put that into a piece of paper or if you want to write it on a whiteboard, if you want to scratch it on your arm or put it on a napkin, I don't care. However, or or use it digitally. It doesn't matter to me. Um, uh, but, you know, I, I think one of the problems and one of the failings of the show we did on this 10 years ago is we didn't go deep enough into, you know, when you use these systems, what are the downsides? And one of the downsides is you can look at it and feel like it becomes your job to manage that list of tasks as opposed to check things off on that task list. And, um, you know, that, that's, that's a big deal that I think we need to address. I tried to address that in the new OmniFocus field guide too, but for the same reason, cause I just, I, I, I did the first OmniFocus field guide years ago and I get so many emails from people that figure out how to capture really well. And then they wake up one day and they do have 7,000 tasks and they don't know what they're supposed to do today. And they just feel frustrated. And I think that's a very easy trap to fall in with these digital tools because the failing of a digital system is it will accept as many tasks as you can give it. 17,000, 14,000, 200,000. Uh, a modern Mac can handle all of those numbers, but a modern human cannot. <laughs> so uh, let's, we're going to, as we get through this, we, we're going to try and figure out a way to, to use the human brain with the, with the Mac and the iOS intelligence or computer software to, uh, to make this work for you. So this episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you in part by Hover, and I want to welcome Hover back to Mac Power Users. Hover is helping you build your online identity because that has never been more important. In fact, I can't tell you how many domain names I have registered with Hover because it goes into multiple pages now. So I would probably say at this point, a couple of dozen. And that is because I love Hover. Hover helps you find the domain names that show the world what you're passionate about. So maybe it's registering your name, maybe it's registering your business, maybe it's just registering a fun hobby that you have. I know when I was interested in getting into blogging and those types of things, I went around and registered every single uh, variant of my name and every single variant of a website that I could think of. And Hover helped me do that. It was quick, it was simple, it was easy. Um, and when I found one that I didn't have and somebody else had, Hover even had partners that they helped me partner with to make sure that I could get my domain names. So if you have a project that you're planning, whether it's a, um, you know, the birth of a new child, that's a great way to get a new domain name. In fact, when my niece was born recently, the first thing I did as soon as my brother told me what her name was, I went online to Hover and got her her domain name and one day I'll give it over to her. So if you have a project that you're thinking about, or if you have a website or an organization, you're probably going to need a domain for that. And it's never been 
easier to get a domain name and put your idea out in the world. So I've been using Hover for a long time. And one of my favorite features about them is they don't upsell anything. You just go to Hover, you get your domain name, everything comes with free privacy. You don't have to go through and click on a bunch of different, no, I don't want this, no, I don't want this, and find that if you accidentally forgot to click some hidden box that all of a sudden your bill is inflated to 10 times what you thought it would be. It is so simple to find your domain name, pick the one you want, and just get in and get out. And if you want email, whether it's email for a particular business, email um, for just a hobby idea, Hover's got a lot of options for really relatively inexpensive email. So whether it's just a forward that you want, their email solutions start at just five bucks a month. So you can grab a personalized email address that matches your domain so you can further connect yourselves to your online identity because nothing says I'm not serious about my business than just having an AOL.com email address. You do not want to do that. So head on over to hover.com slash MPU now, and you can get 10% off your first purchase, as well as show your support for this show. So again, hover.com slash MPU to get 10% off your first purchase. Thank you to Hover for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right. Uh, before we get into the the advanced task managers, I'd, I'd like to kind of break down the category of task management applications, because this is a... This is a genre of application that really can mean a lot of things. There are very simple apps in iOS and the Mac, like Reminders, which are very one-dimensional task management apps. You know, that's it. basically gives you a list, uh, maybe a due date, maybe a start date, but very little information gets attached to them. It's very difficult to move and manage those tasks. But it, it's also very easy to use. Anybody can pick it up, and within 10 minutes, you basically know all the features. So I, I would call that kind of like the tier one task manager system. And there, there's a lot of third-party apps like this as well on the iOS and the Mac app store. Um, a lot of people integrate very simple tier one style task managers into calendar apps. Um, they're out there. And I think they're a great solution if that's all you need. In fact, the running theme here, I would say, is get the, the task manager that gives you everything you need, but nothing more than you need. Because the goal, once again, is to be checking off items. It's not to be fiddling with your task manager. So if you if you can get by with a reminders list, you know, bless you. Just do that. Um, would you agree? Yeah, I think the simpler, the better. Find something that has the right combination of features for you, but... Um, start simple, particularly if you haven't gotten into a digital task management before. Yeah, I mean, and there's points, and it also depends on where you are in your life. Um, I was thinking about this. That there, there oh, are. Um, are we going to hear the napkin story again? I wasn't going to talk about any napkins. Okay, you want me to tell napkin? No, but I was thinking about people at the opposite end, like someone like Tim Cook. Um, Tim Cook doesn't need OmniFocus. He has OmniHumans. He has people for that. Yes. <laughs> You know, he shows up to work every day and people say, these are the things on your calendar and these are the things that you need to do and these are the things that you need to decide. So that's, you know, at some spectrum, you get beyond these things. And then at another spectrum, you get below them where like you're in school or you have a, maybe you're retired or you just, you know, you've got a job where, um, you know, maybe your job is to go out and connect electricity to homes, you know, and you get in a truck and you get a list of houses and you go out every day and you connect electricity. There's not a whole bunch of stuff to track there. So you don't need anything too fancy. So, well, and related to your job, I mean, I'm sure, I mean, maybe, maybe you have other stuff to do personally, but keep going. 
Yeah, but my point is there are people in life that can get by with a very simple task system, and uh, I, I wouldn't want you to pick up a unnecessarily complicated one if, if you that's all you needed. So that's where tier one. I, I think tier two is kind of like the uh, something that didn't even exist the last time we went into this in any depth, and that's these web-based task management systems. The first big one was Remember the Milk, but there's a ton of them now. Um, they are not quite as complex as something like OmniFocus or things. They're usually very good at collaboration, so you have a bunch of people, and uh, they take you another step above a tier one. So basic version is just, you know, things on a list. So that would be like Apple Reminders, the old, um, you know, the old iCal reminder system, probably even our Palm Pilot pilot uh, reminder system, yeah, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> That was a, that was a defer based task system. I mean, you would advance the dates. Of, that was the only end that I think you could. I don't even remember, but it, there wasn't much you could do with your tasks. Yes, and then um, you get then you get to that second level, which is usually like these web based systems, which a lot of people know and love. They're very friendly towards collaboration and automation. Like if you get yourself a Zapier account, some of these things you can automate a great deal of them. And then the then you get to the kind of the third level, and that's the more advanced ones. And that's the kind of uh, applications like things and OmniFocus that we're going to focus on today. And the first question that occurred to me is, well, what makes it an advanced task manager? You know, why, what does that mean? Does that mean it can hold 5,000 tasks instead of 2,000 tasks? And in my mind, that's not really the answer. The, the, the distinguishing point is this idea of vectors into your tasks. It's like, how many different ways can you jump into the haystack and come out with the needle that you need? And with the more basic task managers, there aren't very many ways. If you put something on your books to read list and reminders, it's not going to show up in your movies list. No, never, you know. And um, with, the, with the more advanced task managers, they give you multiple vectors into your data which if you apply, you don't have to, but if you apply them, uh, can become quite powerful to you later when you're you know, facing that position of, of saying, okay, I've got an hour and a half, I'm sitting in a Starbucks, give me, okay, system, give me something that I can productively spend the next hour and a half on. And that's because you've set up different categories within the system. Obviously, we're going to talk about OmniFocus, that can either be tags or that can be context or or things like that, but it gives you a lot more granularity to go in and, and figure these things out. That's that's the whole concept for me of vectors. So what what are the vectors? Um, in terms of OmniFocus, you've got the name of the task, um, and then you've also got a project that a task attaches to. And not everything becomes a project, but I think uh, having the idea of projects in your task management system makes a lot of sense. It allows you to collect um common goals under a single flag, you know, a single banner. I shouldn't use the word flag because it's another vector. Um, and I know that like with the invention of tags, and maybe we'll talk about this later, some people are thinking that, well, we don't need projects anymore. I think projects are a great idea. So anytime you've got something where you're marching towards a single goal, why not put that together under a project? And that gives you a way to identify to all the related tasks as well as, um, a way to track when it gets done and have an audit trail around it. You use projects, right? I do. Yes. And in OmniFocus, they've got a really cool thing with these folders where you can collect projects together inside a folder and then you can nest the folders. 
And this is something I talk about in the OmniFocus Field Guide, both the old one and the new one, of setting up those folders around areas of my life. You know, So I have a folder called uh, Spirituality, and I have a folder called Finances, and a folder called Max Sparky. And so all the projects um, that fall under the various different elements of my life get put into those folders. And getting back to that needle in the haystack, that just gave us a vector to say, okay, create for me a system that just shows me all of the projects that are on my plate without active tasks that fall in the folder for field guides. And then I can get all of those in front of me with the push of one button. So I've separated mine into like really big picture categories and then gotten a little more granular from there. And it sounds like you've done something similar. How many bit? So you've got like three big picture cat. Did I hear oh, you? Oh no, right? no, no. Uh, those those were just three examples. Oh, those um, were three examples. Okay. Uh, let me just see here. Yeah, I've got them for legal. You know, the whole law practice thing. I've got personal business, spiritual, creative expression, like music, things like that. Finance, fitness, and health relationships. And then I've got one called Checklist because I make checklists and OmniFocus now. Okay. So um, mine, I, I've got three big ones right now. And I guess I have a very simple life because my life can be pretty much relegated to three big categories. I've got personal, tech, and work. Now, I, I've, got, I've got a lot more subcategories below those. Well, and some of mine could all fit, a bunch of mine could fit under the personal subcategory, but... Getting back to that fancy planner thing, when I sit down once a week with a piece of paper or once a month to do the monthly audit, I actually open OmniFocus and I look at each one of those folders to kind of audit myself to say, okay, what did I actually do in the last month to further these these major categories, these things that are important to me? And um, what could I do in the next month to further those? And if I put those, if I embedded those into a person, a bunch of those into a personal, I'm not sure I would go that farther. You know how it is when you just take, uh, add a little extra step of resistance and you just don't do it. <laughs> yeah. So, so I've had them like this for years and it, that system works for me. Yeah. Well, like I have a whole nother subcategory called rotary, which I, I guess could go under work or personal because it could be either. That's kind of a hazy one, but I put it under personal and then, then there are a whole bunch of sub projects under rotary because I'm. I'm the vice president of the Rotary this year. So, you know, then I've got, you know, these committees and these projects that I hold up. So then I, then I go subfolder by subfolder. So. Um, technically it doesn't matter how you do that. If you, if you combine like a lot of mine, uh, personal health and fitness finance, uh, some of these would clearly fit under a personal folder. Um, if I were to do that, it wouldn't make any difference with my um, advanced perspectives because OmniFocus, you can say, give me everything in this folder, and it doesn't have to be a root-level folder. It can be as far down the stack as you want, so it doesn't matter. But um, I, I think we're kind of on similar lines. But So you get these folders, and then you put these projects together inside of them. And that has been the primary method for indexing your tasks for a long time, You know, project-based task management. It's a term. And you sit down, and you say, okay, I'm going to work on this thing now. And I do it all the time for my legal clients. It's like somebody asks me to read a contract and I'll read a contract. I'm like, okay, I had blocked an hour and a half for this. I finished it an hour. This client still has an, I still have a half hour. I could do something for this person. And I'll just go into the project folder for that client and just see if there's anything pending that needs to get handled. You know, do we need to 
file something with the state or whatever, and I'll just take care of it all and even review the project at the same time. So it's a great way to get into your tasks. It's not the only way, but it's a good way. Can I back up before we get too deep into project-based pro- uh, task management versus the old style, you know, put a bunch of projects on a list, the simplified project management? Because I, I do, before we go away from this, want to make a plug that you don't have to be all in one camp or the other. Uh, I I used a mixed mode of task management. There are, I would tell you a lot of, well, I, I can't even give you a breakdown of percentages, but there are, are things that I keep in OmniFocus. There are things that I keep in Reminders. And there are things that I have in Do. And so I even have my, my stuff segregated amongst three different things that you could consider task management type applications. Yeah. And so what goes, what's the difference for you? Well, okay. So um, I, I think we've kind of already covered what, what goes in, in OmniFocus. And those are well, that's everything else. What what goes in reminders are one of two things. It, it's more list-based management, things like shopping lists or um, things I have to pick up from somewhere, one-off things that are, are specific to a location or a place. Um, I will occasionally also put things in, in the reminders app. Sometimes I will um, create, because you know you can create multiple lists in reminders, so I will also create a list. So I've got a shopping list and reminders. Um, I also have a list and reminders called priority, which right now is is blank. But sometimes I will use that as a, this is everything that I've got to get done this afternoon. And so I use that. It's your version of writing something down on a piece of paper. Exactly. It's my version of writing it down on a post-it note. And I will put the, the three to five things that absolutely positively have to get done in that priority list and put it in there. We use reminders for, I use it for lists. Like I have a list of books I want to read in there and, you know, a couple of lists like that, like a target list and like stores I go to frequently. I just write something down in there. It's very easy to add those with Siri. And then my wife and I have a couple lists that we share because reminders is good at sharing. Um, uh, so we have a grocery list and just anytime any one of us wants something from the grocery store, we put it on there. And then when you go to the grocery store, you just, you know, there's an unwritten agreement here where, uh, you open up the reminders list and you buy what's on the list. So, you know, bananas will show up and I didn't put it there, but there's bananas there now. So obviously somebody said we needed bananas. And um, I know that there's a million apps better at this. <laughs> In fact, we've had a question pending on MPU plus for two months now. We haven't got to about what's the best list apps, <laughs> but the, um, well, for travel specifically was the one they were asking about. But yeah. But the uh, it, so there are things that this stuff does that these do. They're very good. But but what I'm trying to focus on today, and I'd like people to try and come away with at the end of the show, is some ideas for the more advanced task management stuff. And something Katie said really resonated with me. She said, "You know, I mix and match." And I know you were talking about mix and matching apps, but I think it's also a good idea to think about mixing and matching techniques for. Uh, managing and unearthing data in these applications. Um, I we're, we're going to get into some of the more detailed um, systems later in this episode. And my goal is not for you to say, that's the one, I'm just going to do that. I, I hope that you listen to it and you come away with, oh, I'm going to use pieces of each of these so I have the advantage, as many advantages as I can. Right. And then we never got there, but do uh, D U E is an app that we've talked about a lot on the show. And um, that is, uh, I, I thought OmniFocus was going to get some of these types of, um, 
uh, features in, in version three, but they haven't quite come to fruition the way that I thought they were going to. So I still use do. It's for something that has to be, has to, has to, has to be done on a very specific t- a time way. And do is great at it will bug you until you have completed a task. You're not just going to get one reminder about something. You're going to get a reminder every minute, every five minutes, every 15 minutes, whatever you set up that reminder schedule about um, until you do something. So I have I have a very limited number of things in do, but if I put something in do, it's because it it really, really, really has to get done at a specific time. Like if you need to take medication every day at a certain time, it's great for that. Or if you need to post the um, Mac Power Users episode. And people will get mad if you don't. Or if you need to take the trash cans out, because if your wife has to remind you to do it one more time, she just might murder you instead. That's that's another good one. So yeah, um, so there there are a lot of tools in the belt here. Okay, um, so getting back though to these more advanced systems, you know, we talked about project as a vector, but traditionally OmniFocus used in addition the GTD term. You know, the, it was all wrapped up in GTD terminology. They've kind of separated from that with this version three, and um, it was context. You know, what's the context? Is it something you do at your Mac? Is it something you do on the internet? Is it something you do in the car? You know, whatever. But there was only one context. So with this new version, they added tags. And tags are, and I know people are going to tell me, duh, this is, in fact, Katie made this argument to me forever ago when she was arguing for things is, you know, tags are way better. And uh, I, you know, now that I'm using them, I, cause I, I've never got fully on board with tags as much as we have Brett on the show. We just you know, can't get, but tags work really well in a task management system because they give you so many additional vectors into your stuff. You can make as many as you want. Like um, just to um, give you a simple example, uh, one tag could be people. And I could have a tag for Katie Floyd and I could have one for Daisy and I could have one for my assistant. And, and, and your tag would be Katie Floyd. It wouldn't be Katie, right? Uh, no, it would just be Katie. It would just be, cause there's only one Katie in my life. You're, you're the Katie. And the, so, but then when Katie and I get on Skype together to talk before a show, I can just hit the tag for Katie and then everything, no matter what project it's in, where no matter how buried it is in my system is going to unearth. I'll have a list of three things there that I wanted to talk to Katie about. And um, so that's really nice. So you can go through and as you create new tasks, add buttons to them or tags to them for the people in your life that you need uh, their involvement with. And people have been hacking context, for lack of a better word, for a while to, to really expand context beyond the GTD methodology, people were using it for things like high energy, low energy, morning, afternoon, night. But the problem was you could only have one. And and now with tags, you don't have that problem. I will tell you, though, I think there is a point of diminishing returns with tags. Um, I, I think I think maybe three tags is, is my max that I would put on something. I, I don't know. Do you have more tags than that that you would put on something? I think if you have many more tags on it, you, now you're just spending your time playing with tags as opposed to just doing something. I, I think that's a risk. I, I think the trick with tags, especially when you're, you start using them is to be liberal about creating them at the beginning. And then you see what surfaces like uh, this, this concept of energy Katie was talking about a minute ago is there was uh, I think it was Finn Fechner who had a really great site in Germany. I don't know if it, if it's around still, we'll put it in the show notes, but the, um, 
uh, he had this one where he's like, uh, one context was like, he had like five degrees of energy and one of them was brain dead. And it was very clever the way he did it. But uh, I started trying to put that into place through the beta of OmniFocus 3. And ultimately I thought about it in terms of energy. Do I have high energy or low energy? And um, so it's just two tags for that. And I don't apply it to every task. In fact, the low energy tag gets applied way more often. Like I see something come in that I need to file a bill. Well, I've automated a bunch of this stuff. Well, if I need to pay a bill. So when I, I run the script to create the task, it adds a low energy tag to that because I can pay a bill when I'm feeling brain dead. Like if I just want to sit, you know, in, at the kitchen table and just do a couple brain dead things, uh, low energy tasks, uh, that would be one that would, it would surface. Um, but I, I don't use a lot of those, uh, to answer Katie's question is three, the limit, you know, what is the limit? I think you put as many in as you need, especially as you're, you're figuring this stuff out. But if you find you're not using tags, then anytime you put into creating them is a waste of time. All this is about math. You know, you spend X amount of time putting them in. How much do you save at the back end, getting it out, accessing the tag? If you put, you know, a hundred units in to make it and you only get 20 units of return back, then you shouldn't do it anymore. Um, the other thing about tags is just because you create them doesn't mean you have to use them everywhere. Like if you're going to make an energy tag, it doesn't mean you have to take every task in your library and add an energy tag to it. You only do it where it makes sense. Same thing with people. There's a lot of my tasks that don't have anything to do with Katie Floyd or anybody else in the world, and they don't have a person tag attached to it. Um, they may have a, a, a traditional context tag where it's like, this is something I do with my Mac, or this is something I do with my journal or something I do, you know, wherever. Uh, you can add a, a series of tags for location now as well, which is really interesting. Have you tried that yet, Katie? Um, look, I no, I have not added a location tag. I, but I, but I have added, I, I do have location aware tasks. So you're saying something different than that. Well, in essence, so tag tags have replaced context. In the old days, OmniFocus had a context, which was location based and you could attach a location to it with a new version. You can create a tag for location and you can add geo data and notifications to it when you arrive or when you leave. So when you arrive at the Home Depot, everything in your Home De Depot tag list shows up. When I when I was finishing the iPhone field guide, um, I took a bunch of pictures with the iPhone because it was an iPhone field guide, and I I didn't want to take them around my house, so I just decided you know we go to Disneyland about every three weeks. I was going to start taking a bunch of pictures at Disneyland for the book. But so I had a shot list and it all had a Disneyland tag attached to it. So every time I arrived at Disneyland, it would remind me, you got to take a picture of the castle. You got to take a picture of a burrito or whatever. And I would do it all based on that tag notification. It's, it's, it's easier now and more powerful. So that's something you might want to look into. Well, I guess it's one quick and easy way to find it as opposed to having to wait to get notifications from places. Yeah. And just to be clear again, you're not going to put, a location tag on everything you do because not all of them make sense. And then there's all these um, like communications is another vector for me. You know, like I put tags on things where if, if it's a communication, maybe I'll have a, a task to talk to Katie about some show planning thing and it'll have a tag, two tags attached to it, Katie Floyd and Slack. So if I'm either, if I'm in Slack and I've got OmniFocus showing me Slack things, that's going to show up. Or if I'm talking to Katie Floyd, then it's going to show up. So I've got two ways to get to that data. 
And like I said, this stuff starts to be, it, it does multiply on itself as you get more in. So I don't really want to tell you not to use a lot of them, but just be, um, be mindful of it. Just, I was saying when I said maximum of three tags, I was saying per topic. I wasn't saying three tags total. No, I, I know what you mean. But the, uh, and, and then also think about ways you can lower the barrier of entry of tag creation. Because with OmniFocus, and there's a big segment on this in the new field guide, you can automate uh, um, project creation. So you can apply all those tags in the project creation step, then you get them for free. The tags are added because the project was created by the computer. And now you've got all that extra metadata or vectors in. The other thing that's interesting to me, Katie, is this idea of very single purpose oddball tags. And I'm only starting to see the light on that now. Um, for instance, the um, uh, we have a bunch of stickers. I had a bunch of stickers made for Mac Power users. And occasionally I hear from listeners that want a sticker. And I have a funny feeling that I'm going to hear from a lot more after the show this life. <laughs> so uh, what I do, sometimes people send me an address. And if you send me an address, I'll do my best. That's all I'm going to say. Um, the uh, But then I just tag those as stickers in OmniFocus. And then once in a while, I have a day where I'm like, I can't work anymore. I'll just pull up the sticker tag and I'll, I'll ship off some stickers. And I already have a big backlog, but you know, eventually maybe when somebody is like 80, they're going to get a sticker in the mail. <laughs> they're going to be, what was that for again? Oh yeah. That show I listened to so long ago, <laughs> but the, uh, but you that's should a, have people send you a self-addressed stamped envelope and you can just fill the stickers and be done with it. Well, that would be even easier. That would, wouldn't it? <laughs> maybe I'll make a text expander snippet. Who knows? But, but you know, that's just like a unique thing. Another one, like I'm right now in the midst, it's, it's, we're getting toward the end of the year. Um, Actually, no, I'll save that story for later because it, it kind of relates to some more of the system stuff. But but think about just single-purpose little tags that aren't necessarily something you're going to use every day. But when you've got this database, what was your friend? You said you had a friend with 7,000 tasks in her OmniFocus? Yeah, that's our friend Juliana, you know, Victor with Victor. Oh, yeah. oh really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's too many. But the... um. But if she has tags, she's able to pull a few out of there. You know, maybe she wants to do stickers too. And But there's 20 of them in there with a sticker tag attached. How are you going to get to those? And, you know, a, a tag allows you to get there. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by 1Password. The solution for all of your password needs. Head over to onepasswordcom slash MPU to get 20% off. So, Katie, guess what happened? Hmm. I had my kids over. And one of the kids' friends got hacked, and they were having this long discussion. And I overheard one of my kids, one of my children, telling another young adult about 1Password. Why didn't you pull your microphone out and start recording this? And that could be our ad spot. I, I should have. I should have. It was amazing. It was, be it was a beautiful thing. You know, I've been exposing these kids to internet security for a long time. I'm the paranoid weirdo dad that does that stuff. We have a family account through one password, so they've been using it. We And it's great because we can change the Netflix password and everybody gets it and there's no problem. But the best part of it for me is that they really have good password habits now. And they do make a single password for every website they log in. We've talked about it around the dinner table because that's what happened when your dad is a nerd. And somehow, between all the irony and eye-rolling, it has sunk in for them. And it's just a great feeling. And so 1Password is the application to help you do this with your family as well. It is a app for the Mac, iOS, Android, PC, no matter where you are, they are. 
And uh, it creates passwords for you. It creates strong and unique passwords, and it saves them for you. All you have to remember is one password. You see how they did that? One password. You, you remember the one password, it takes care of the rest for you. Not only does it give you those passwords, it also saves data on confidential websites. It gives you like a bank of secure data on your iPhone. It's just an amazing, useful tool. But, uh, you know, with the family these days, I think that uh, hackers and the the bad guys out there are more aggressive and smarter than ever. You've got to be smart as well. So so get your family hooked up with one password. As we're recording this show, we're heading into the holidays. You may be with your family. Rather than having Uncle Fred lecture you about politics, why not divert him to a discussion of internet security? Because, you know, maybe that'll make the dinner just a little bit more enjoyable. And if you go to onepassword.com slash MPU, you're going to get 20% off. You can look like a hero. So uh, 1Password, they're a great sponsor. They've been with us forever. They've got a great product, and they're protecting me and Katie every day. Why don't they protect you too? 1Password.com slash MPU in all caps. Before we get off the topic of tags, because it's new in OmniFocus 3, and there's there's one piece of this. I heard I had a bunch of email from people when I was doing the field guide and even after saying, well, with tags, because they're so flexible, why do I need projects anymore? You know, um, why not just make tags out of my projects, which isn't a bad idea. I know some people that are doing it. I think actually Mike Schmitz is exploring this. I talked to him once about, I don't know if he's still doing that or not, but um, I'm not, a, I'm not for that. Uh, I think projects still serve a, an important role because projects fit into the review process. Uh, there are things you can archive and come back. You have a historical record of them. Uh, they, they, they just don't have as many tools available to them as projects. Have you ever thought about that, Katie? I've never considered that because I've always been very into projects. But I, I think one of the beauties here to remember is there are no rules. I mean, I know a lot of us like to follow the GTD methodology, but I've never been a real strict GTDer. Is that is that the phrase, GTDer? Um, you use the system that works best for you. So if... If having a, a project list system focused completely on tags works, do it. Yeah, well, OmniFocus doesn't have a strong opinion about how you're supposed to use it. I mean, it, it you can do it however you want. I agree. But uh, but what I did instead of making projects is I um, I made activity tags, which are similar to projects. So let me hear me out on this. Uh, so I've got a, a tag group called activity, and underneath that I'll have one called um Max Sparky, and then under that, I'll have one called Blocking. And I'll have one called Legal, and underneath that, I'll have one called Corporate. And the idea behind this tag, which I don't apply them across the board, but when they make sense to apply, I do, is saying, what if I just want to do one kind of activity for a while? This is almost like a project. I'm, you know, getting right up to the limit there, you know, but it's not a project because you can have tasks from multiple projects that fit into this tag. So I've been playing around with this activity thing and it actually works really well for me. A lot of the times on the corporate law side of my stuff, I have to do all these online filings for my, my corporate clients where I go on and register something at the state website or something. So I have an activity, uh, that tree goes down to that, some of those specific activities. So I'll say, oh yeah, I'm doing that right now. I'm logged in. What else is in my database right now while I'm here that I can knock off that fits in the same category? So that's another interesting category of tags I would I would like you to consider. Okay. How else, um, any other interesting ways that you're, 
you're using tags because you can sort, I mean, well, let's, we talked about it, but what can you do with the tags? So you've got them in here, but how are all of the ways that you can access your tags? We didn't, we didn't talk a whole lot about where they show up. I mean, they show up attached to your tasks. You can create lists based on tags. You can view everything that's associated with the tag, but, but what are all the things that you can do? You know, tags can help you. I, I don't know that you flush that out of it. Tags can help you organize your projects because of the way that you can do things with tags, because you can search by tags, because you can organize by tags, because you can create, you know, rules based on tags, right? The most basic way you can use them is there's a tag list and you just go through it. And if you've got nested tags, you can expose them by clicking on them and say, show me all the tags that are attached to my phone. You know, say I'm going to make calls right now and give me a, so it's basically giving you a list of calls you need to make. Um, but with the perspectives in OmniFocus, you can combine them and say, show me all the ones that are on the phone that fall under the, the legal folder. Um, but, you know, and if you want to go as far as to say that it aren't going to take over 60 minutes, you know, because you can also add time to this. How long is it going to take? And so then you're then you're getting real magic because you can combine all these various bits of data to have the application be, in essence, your 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 helper. The, the context I use this when I made the OmniFocus field guide, this new one is I kept going back to this idea of the maker and the manager. And I. I don't want to take credit for that. I must have heard that somewhere, but there's a lot of like productivity stuff that are talking about, you know, the, the artist and the plan, I don't, you know, but this is to me, it's the maker and the manager. So we all are makers. We want to make stuff. We want to check off tasks and do things, but we need someone sometimes to tell us what to do, but we're not Tim cook. We don't have someone there feeding it to us. So a powerful application like this can be your manager. And when you combine those tasks into a perspective, you can say, okay, manager, this is the time I have, this is the energy level I have, or this is the project I want to work on. Give me my stuff to do. And it spits it out for you. And it spits it out for you because if you do it with the right degree of granularity, it spits out a manageable list. So you're not looking at 400 items to check off. I mean, you're looking at five or six and it feels very good to check those things off. Did I answer your question? I think I did. I think you did. And, and I just wanted to make sure that it was clear to people what you can do with them once you've got all this information in here. So OmniFocus doesn't just bring tags and projects. They bring flags as well. This is something I've always had. A flag is something that's important but doesn't have a due date attached. Well, actually, a flag means whatever you want it to mean. You can say a flag means uh, only things that I'm going to do in my kitchen. I don't care. It's your choice. But to me, a flag is something that's important but doesn't have a due date attached to it. Um They've got time estimates, so you can. Well, let's go. Let's go back to flags. You use flags very sparingly, right? Yeah. Um, how and and for you, a flag means I'm doing this today, like before I go to bed at night, before I close my eyes. This flag's going to be done, right? No, it's kind of evolved. Honestly, it, it, there are important things that get flagged, but they don't necessarily mean that I have to do them tomorrow. I mean, like I was saying, it, it's something that doesn't have a due date, but it's important to me. And usually, going into a week. You know, and the way I flag something, sometimes I flag it when it first comes to me. A client gives me something that they need me to respond to in the next day, you know, but it's not a deadline. But I told them, look, I'll get it to you in a day or so. 
So I will flag that and I flag it at the time of input. It's, it's gone straight to the head of the class. But then I also do a lot of reviews of my projects frequently and I'll see something in there and saying, oh, you know what? That's been sitting around too long or we're coming up on a time where that needs to be done. So that's going to get a flag. And so from a variety of inputs, I will start flagging things. And I always try to keep that to a very manageable list. But usually by Sunday, when I plan my week out, I've probably got 20 flagged items in there. And those items I do defer. So um, where I don't use defer dates for all my tasks anymore, I use it for those flagged items. So I'll say, oh, these three things I'm going to do on Monday, this two things I'm going to do on Tuesday, etc. And then I block specific time each day to make sure that those flags get checked off. So by the end of the week, those 20 items are going to be done. Okay. And I'm sorry, we were talking about flags, but um, you were, you wanted to go on to other things too. There are other things we can do. Yeah. There's also thing you can like, um, you can use the estimated time to complete the project. You know, they've got, you can say, this is a 15 minute project or this is a two hour project or this is, you know, whatever. And uh, that's one of the things I actually never use. I mean, it's a, uh, it's a tool that's available in OmniFocus. I don't, I'm not going to go that granular. I have too many tasks and, uh, I'm so terrible at estimating time anyway that it's garbage data. Uh, but I know and I've heard from uh, users of OmniFocus that use that religiously. And they, they'll they sit down and say, okay, I'm not going to think about energy levels, but I've got a couple hours to do small tasks. Give me all my 15-minute tasks. And you can do that with a perspective. I like the idea of that in concept, but I think I agree with you that I would probably not be good with the estimation. So. I, I think I could estimate um, very short tasks, but then again, I think I could also take care of some of that with a tag, like, you know, downloading a bill or paying a bill or do, I, I think I could do well at estimating like five minute or less tasks. And, you know, if I had 30 minutes, I would probably say, okay, what are all the tasks I can hit in five minutes or less? But I don't know. You know what I've started doing is with my real, with my big projects, I've, I've just started doubling my estimates and the, um, and quite often I'm able to get the job done in about 1.5 times my original estimate, which means that I don't feel rushed all day, you know, because if, if I estimate is going to take an hour and it takes an hour and a half, it just feels like it throws me off for the whole day. If I give it two hours, then I can go in and snipe off some other tasks before I hit my next big block. And, um, that's just a mind hack I use, I guess. Are you familiar with the Scotty principle? Oh, uh, no, tell me, Katie. I, I'm somewhat familiar, but I forget exactly. Something what you tell your captain, what is it again? So the Scotty principle is you take all of your repair estimates and you multiply them by a factor of four. And so when you get it done in less time, you're a hero. And sometimes it does take four X, you know. <laughs> but, but when you say, I can't get the shields back, it's going to take at least 20 minutes. And, you know, the captain says, we're going to die in five. Well, you get the shields back up in five. And guess what? You're a miracle worker. <laughs> That's how you get your reputation as a miracle worker. All right. Do you use that in your data day? All the time. Yes. Yeah. Always. Another thing you can do with OmniFocus is you can categorize by dates. Uh, they have a defer date, which is also a start date, and then they have a due date. And I think this has been said enough on the show in the past, but just to summarize briefly, a, defer, a, do, a defer date is when the project starts. So you have filters and OmniFocus that can say, show me my available tasks. And available tasks are tasks that have a defer date of today or earlier. So if you have something um, like 
I need to outline a show we're going to record in three weeks. And I need to hear back from the guests before I can start the outline. And I know I'm not going to hear from that guest for two weeks. I can put the defer date in Omnihook. I can write 2W and it just changes that to two weeks from now. And then when I ask it to show me available tasks, that doesn't show up because it's not available. So that's the use of defer dates. Um, they can tick things off of the table until a time when it's more appropriate. I'm a big fan of defer dates because the problem if you don't use defer dates is you end up with 7,000 things in your task management system, really only maybe 20 of which you can actually accomplish right now. Yeah. And traditionally, that's I ran a defer date-based task system where I ran all of my projects and tasks through a defer date filter. And, and I would say, oh, I can't do this today. I'm going to do this in two weeks. It wasn't that they weren't available to me now. It's just I didn't have time for two weeks. So I would, and that's what I would call a defer date based task system. That's what I do with flags now. You know, I make them disappear until a day that I can deal with them. Um, I don't do that anymore. And uh, because it got overwhelming because I had too many tasks. But, but that's a completely legitimate system. And that's, that's one of the, that's the first system I would say that we're, we're going to discuss. Um, they also have things like due dates where you can say, uh, tell me when a task is due. And this is something else we've talked about a lot, so we won't make a long thing out of this, but use due dates sparingly. Just don't put a due date on everything. I think that's one of the most common mistakes I see with people is they'll show me whatever task manager they're using, and it'll show you know 17 overdue projects. That's bad. Well, I will say, and I know we're going to talk about review later, I think the only way not having due dates on your project works is if you stay very vigilant about reviewing your projects. And the only way that works is if you stay vigilant about reviewing and you follow these other principles. Because otherwise, if you just throw things in the task management system with no other organization and no other method to find out what is important and what I should be doing now and what I have coming up, then you've just got a whole jumbled mess. You don't know what you're supposed to be doing and what you're supposed to be working on. And then maybe due dates are the only thing that you know what you can do. Well, well, the problem with too many is that if you use them on things that aren't actually due, then you don't take them seriously and you let due dates go by. Um, but but we're going to get to review later. And Katie has a very good point, And that's really where the rubber meets the road with all of this. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you in part by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next big idea with a unique domain name, award-winning templates, and a whole lot more. So maybe you want to create an online store, maybe you want a portfolio or a blog, anything you want to do, Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that lets you just do it. There's nothing you have to install, no patches you have to worry about, no upgrades needed. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff anymore because Squarespace just has it covered. They have an award-winning 24-7 customer support team, so if you need any help whatsoever, they will help you be right there to help solve all of your problems. But you're probably not going to need them because it is super simple to create a website with Squarespace. They let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name and start with one of their award-winning templates that are beautiful designed to help you show off your great ideas. In fact, I had a total Squarespace win this weekend. I have kind of gotten a reputation of being this uh, techie person in our legal community who can help you create websites. Um, I don't know how that happened. I think Squarespace might have something to do about it. Uh, but we're having a big charity fundraiser event. And um, actually, one of our local judges stood up um, 
at a um at at a at a at a big bar meeting and said and Katie Floyd is going to help us put together a website for um you know for this big event and I looked at her and I was like what I didn't remember volunteering to that and then someone sitting next to me said yeah I meant to talk to you about that well no problem because I knew that Squarespace would help me so in a couple of actually less than an hour, one weekend, I was able to get a website up for this organization, a website, you know, I had a bunch of pictures up, we had a sign up form, we had a registration form, it connected to email, it connected to a Google spreadsheet backend that I was able to share with anybody, everybody. And really, within a few hours or less, I had a Squarespace site up, people were registering for an event, sent it off to the judge, and they were just stunned. So uh, pretty amazing the things that you can accomplish quickly with Squarespace and come up being the hero. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a free trial now with no credit card required by heading over to squarespace.com MPU. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and to show your support for Mac Power users. Again, that's squarespace.com MPU to get 10% off your first purchase. Thank you to Squarespace for their kind support. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. So let's talk a little bit about task management systems in these uh, more powerful task managers. And the reason that we're talking about these systems at all is because uh, we're assuming that you're somebody that needs them. You know, if you could get by with reminders, you probably already left this show and are drinking coffee somewhere. But uh, if you're like Katie and me, you've got uh, professional and personal commitments and side hustles and all the different things going on in your life. You've got to have a way to stay on top of it. And Katie was right before the ad break, talking about, well, you got to be careful if you have too many things in there, you don't have a way to manage it. You're going to let plates drop to the floor. And that's why we need systems. And the first one that we've already kind of teased a little bit is the idea of a defer date system. Is that what you're using now? Well, it depends on what you mean by defer date system. Uh, yes, I am using defer dates, but I'm using all of these things in conjunction together within my system. So I think I'm going to need a definition of what you mean by defer date system, but Everything that goes into my task management, if it is not something that I can do right now, or if it's not something that is appropriate to do right now, it does get a defer date. Okay. So that's that's a pretty heavy defer date system. And that's a great way to manage that list. Because what you don't want to do is wake up every day and see 500 items on your list or 7,000 and say, what do I do today? You know, it just makes you want to go right back into bed and forget about it all. And um, the idea of these systems with these multiple vectors is to use the multiple vectors. So, so defer date system, I think can work. I think it, it runs into problems when you get into the thousands where, you know, you've got to constantly be juggling those defer dates because, uh, you know, you, you say, I'm not going to work on this until next week cause I'm busy, but between now and next week, four other things come up. So then when next week shows up, you don't have time to work on it then either. And then suddenly you find yourself on this, this merry-go-round where you're constantly deferring things. Um, one, a, a power tip for this, by the way, you can defer projects as well as tasks in OmniFocus. So if you're using a defer system and you're like, I don't want to work on this project for a month, just defer the whole project. Go to the project level and type 1M and hit tab key and you just defer it at one month. Um, don't That way you don't have to do for each individual task, which makes, you know, we're trying to fig figure out how to reduce the amount of time you spend managing and increase the more amount of time you spend making. Um, so this system can work for you. I do think that it gets unwieldy as you get more and more tasks because then you're on that merry-go-round. 
I once I once told Om, Ken Case at OmniFocus, he's like, he says, give me uh, just a crazy perspective you'd like. And I said, give me a way to track the number of times I defer a project. Uh, you know, and then then I could make a perspective that said, if I defer a project five times, just delete the project because clearly I'm never going to do it. And I'm just kidding myself, you know? Um, but, but that, that is, you know, following the, the defer date based task system. I think it, I think it's a great solution. The advantage of a defer system in my mind is it solves that problem. Katie was talking about, about something falling off that you forgot about because usually with a defer system, uh, those, uh, believe it or not, time marches on. So if you defer it out two weeks before, you know, a blink of an eye, two weeks is going to go by and you're looking at that project again. So it brings it back to the front of your mind and forces you to consider it and think about deadlines or even if you want to keep doing it. It gives you a constant kind of audit trail on your projects. Well, and I think you're also more likely to put things into your task management system if you don't have to worry about doing them right now. You know, we talk about, I think it's David Allen who said to have this mind like water state uh, is, I think, a, a GTD philosophy that he does. Just having the um, the anxiety, for lack of a better word, or the weight of having 20 things in your uh, things that I have to do today list or things that I'm supposed to be doing today list is not having mind like water. But if you know that there's something that you have to do at some point, but maybe not necessarily today, and knowing that that is not going to continue to show up in your system, being able to know that you can put it in your system, defer it out to the weekend, defer it out to next week, defer it out to a time that is more appropriate, and knowing that you don't have to look at it and have that baggage of having to look at it, I think is going to make you more likely to put it into your system. It's the same reason that I ultimately came on board with the idea of deferring email. Um, I, I want inbox zero because it makes me happy to have inbox zero and it makes me feel um, productive to have inbox zero. And I don't want to use my inbox as a, as a, as a holding pin for things, but I, I recognize that not all of my emails necessarily need to be forwarded to my task management system. Sometimes I just need to be put into my same weekend folder and come back this weekend. No. And that makes complete sense. And I, so, so I think this defer system is a great idea. I'll tell you that in the last year, I have gone a little cold on it, though. I don't use a defer-based task management system for a couple of reasons. The first is it was I was spending too much time looking at the same project showing up over and over again, and um, and then the other thing that is, I felt like I wasn't getting the power. And this really started before OmniFocus three on iOS because I, I got in the beta pretty early, but. But uh, particularly once OmniFocus 3 shipped, it's like, I've got all these tags now. I've got all these different ways to go at and slice and dice this big list of projects and tasks I have. But when I use a defer system, um, if you have an available tag, you're only going to see the stuff that is in the defer list for now. And um, I wanted to be more flexible. And uh, so, so I'm not using defer. Most of my tasks do not have defer dates attached anymore. They have a defer date attached if it's a task that truly is deferred. It's something that I can't do yet. Like, you know, if you're going to plan a vacation, but the timeshare won't take your call until six months before the vacation, that is something you would defer. You know, we all know of examples where you uh, you can't, you just can't do it now. It's not possible. So you might as well get it out of, uh, off the table. But I don't just defer things because I don't have time for them right now. And instead, what I've been doing is looking deeper at tags and flags. And I put together all these perspectives based on those things. 
to allow me to be more, a little bit more flexible about what I jump into. And it's, you know, there's some advantages to this. Um, my daily management of OmniFocus takes less time now because I don't have to go through all the deferred tasks that showed up today. And um, it allows me to, um, to be more flexible in what I do, like depending on what's going on and mood or like one client has a question that leads me down a path that allows me to solve a bunch of little problems. Um, it's just a more of a, an agile system. The downside to doing that is that I don't have every project thrown at me every two or three weeks when it shows up on the defer list. It doesn't come available to me. Uh, so what I've been doing is making a real conscious effort to review aggressively and just stay on top of things. And um, so that's, you know, there's, there's um, pluses and minuses to both of those systems. What other types of, uh, so less, less on defer date, more on other things. How, how are you juggling this all together? What, uh, what other information are you putting in? Uh, a series of tags, uh, appropriate tags, depending on what the task is, you know. Um, okay. But is that it? Just just defer dates and tags and, and flags? And I guess. Yeah. And between that, this concoction, I've got it working. Uh, an example I would use is we're, we're at the end of the year, so I'm doing corporate minutes for a bunch of my corporate clients. And so that is a many, many little prepare minutes project. It's created off a template that I, I've automated the whole process. You know, I do it sends out the email to the client and I get the email back and it creates this project Konami focus and it gives me all the steps I need to do, all the filings I need to make, blah, blah, blah. But these projects are sprinkled all throughout the various client folders in my OmniFocus database. But all of the projects are tagged with the word minutes. And I am not putting a bunch of flags and due dates and stuff on this, but instead I have time blocks. I'm putting about two hours a week into minutes for various, you know, and so I block it out every week. And then when it comes time to work on minutes, I just pull up that tag and whichever clients have written back with the information I need, I can start working on them. And by the end of the year, I'll have it all done. And it's a very manageable system without forcing me to babysit the projects in OmniFocus. It just, it's just there when I need it. And then when I don't need it, I don't see it. And um, it's, it's, it's very effective for me. And I think the reason why this system works for me is because I, I, I have too many things going on to make defer dates a manageable system for me. But talk a little bit about how you're seeing all of this, because you're using, are you using a lot of custom perspectives in OmniFocus? Many, many, many. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And I, and I jump between them. So I guess my question is, does it make sense for you to talk about that? Or is that more specific to, to your workflow? No, I think it would work for anybody. I, I mean, you, my specific perspectives may not be the ones that you use, but the idea of it could hopefully give you some food for thought. I, I went there's there's a whole segment in the the OmniFocus field guide that the one that just came out on perspectives, and I, I think I made like ten or eleven of them in there where I've got like how do you find lost projects? There's a perspective for that. How do you like the daily grind and. Uh, you know, I have one that I just call the list, which is the stuff that needs to get done today. It may have a deadline or it may have a flag or it may have a specific tag attached to it. So um, I do have OmniFocus spitting things out at me every day that really need to get done today. But if you can keep that list small enough, then it gives you the freedom to go into the system and start working on the longer term projects. You know, there was that... Um, uh, is it the Eisenhower matrix? I forget what they call it, but you know, the idea of you have a grid of four things and 
The most important thing that you can work on is stuff that's important but not urgent. But you spend all your time working on the urgent stuff, so you never get to that. Even the urgent and unimportant takes precedence over the important and not urgent, and that's how you fall behind. I think you mean important and urgent is the most important. Yes, yes, that's exactly what I mean. But anyway, so so the idea of the system I've been working with is to say, okay, I'm going to take care of the urgent, but I would ideally, by the time I eat my sandwich every day at lunch, the urgent is out of my life, and now I can spend my time on the important and not urgent. And um, it's a very nice feeling to have a day where you can do that. And I think OmniFocus helps me make that happen. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Text Expander, the original sponsor of the Mac Power Users. Head over to textexpander.com slash podcast. Tell them you heard about it at the Mac Power Users. So gang, Text Expander is that little app that takes a few letters you type in and expands it to a whole bunch more. And it's just such a great implementation of a simple idea. And I use it every day. I, I just released a couple field guides as I keep whining about on the show. And uh, one of the things that happens is I get a bunch of customer support email when that happens. And I have a shared text expander account. I have an assistant that helps me out. So we have a text expander for Teams account together. And we both kind of roll up our sleeves for the month after they come out and we respond to the emails as fast as we can. And text expander is the best way to do that. You know, you say, well, why isn't you just using the text replacement tool on the Mac and iOS? Because they're terrible. Uh, they're, they're finally syncing okay, but they don't, they don't give you multi-line support. They don't give you tab keys. If someone sends me an email, I can type like five letters in the subject line and using Text Expander, it fills out the subject line. It hits the tab key. Then it uses an Apple script to get the name of the person I'm writing to and fills it in for me. Dear Katie, comma, new paragraph. And then it fills in the whole message for me with multiple paragraphs. Maybe it grabs a coupon code from the clipboard and it inserts that in the email too. All that stuff just takes me a few characters. And uh, if it wasn't for that, there's no way I would have made it through the last month. So Text Expander has been saving my bacon in the last month, particularly. So I can't help but be thankful to them for that. But if you do anything where you're using automated text, there really is no replacement for Text Expander. It's a great application. You head over to textexpander.com slash podcast to sign up for it. They have team versions. So if you are working with a, a team, that's pretty that's pretty awesome. But even if you're just using it on your own, anytime you type something more than once, you should be using Text Expander. It even makes a cute little sound when it runs to say, wow, I just saved money. It's like a little bloop sound. And you just save money and you save time because you use Text Expander. So once again, that's textexpander.com slash podcast. Let them know you heard about it at the Mac Power Users. And thank you for Text Expander for being a longtime supporter of the Mac Power Users and the Mac Power Users community. So David, let's talk about how we keep it all together. And I think this is the point in time where we have to talk again about review, because I think if people don't follow the review process, it's the one that is so easy to fall off the bandwagon of. But I think it's it's where it is so easy for things to fall apart. Yeah. And, and the system I'm using now, it sounds like a very hippie system, right? It's like, oh, great. You only have three flag tasks a day and maybe one deadline. And then you can spend the rest of the day being a fairy, jumping through your data, choosing at will, right? The problem with that, as Katie pointed out earlier, is maybe something falls through the cracks because you're not paying attention. And um, that's where review comes in. OmniFocus 
Um, this is one thing OmniFocus does that I don't think anybody else does. I, and I don't know why every other task management application does not try to put this feature in. But they have this great system where you can set a review period on every single project in your library. So um, I have Mac Power Users episodes that are on one episode review frequency. So I make sure that we've got the guest book and the show outlined and all that stuff. I have corporate clients that I have a review frequency of four months because we don't really do that much together. And the um, and so you open up OmniFocus, and I do it at the end of the day every day and just say, show me what has come up for review. And it shows you all the projects that have got past whatever that increment of time is you have set for it. And then you look through the project and you can say, hey, there's some stuff on this I need to get going on right now. Maybe I'll add some flags to it, or maybe I'll just drop everything and do it right now. Or you see a project and you're like, you know what? This project has been in my mat, my system now for three years and I'm never going to do it. And you hit the delete button and it feels great. So, uh, and then you get a market as reviewed when you're done and it moves you to the next one. So a regular run through that review system uh, not only does it help you stay on top of things, it um, it'll, it makes sure you don't drop things. How do you do your review? Do you do it um, still pull out your eye? You kind of do a mini review every day, it seems like, um, because you, you have a way of making sure that you you get um, all of your tasks. You used to, I think, do a once weekly review. Are you still doing a big review once a week? Or are you doing a bigger review once a month? Or are you, you trying to hit this every day? Yeah, for years, I would, when I would drive to the office every day, I would um, on Monday mornings, I would get up really early and I'd go, there's a, a Pete's coffee across the street from my office. So I'd go in there with my iPad and I'd do my review Monday morning of all the projects from the last week. And the problem with that is I try to, when I do a review, I, 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 I have kind of a checklist in my mind. Number one, do I still want to do this? You know, if it's something I need to do to make money, but I don't want to do, I might keep it. But unless it's something I really want to do or something I have to do to make money, you know, I delete it, you know, and that that's a great feeling. And many projects have died on the altar of review for me. I mean, it's, it's cause you know, you just because your brain puts it into the system doesn't mean it's a good idea. And sometimes a little perspective of a day or a week or a year uh, helps you realize that, no, I don't need this anymore. And you kill a project. So I, uh, the first thing I do is I might kill it. The, if I'm going to keep it, what, you know, where does it stand? What needs to be done on it? Do I need further action on it? Or do these tasks even work anymore? Do I need to rework this project? So uh, that's focused mental energy. This is not a low energy task. Um, you need to be focused. And the problem I was having on, if I wait, let it go week, I could have 20 or 30 projects in there uh, on, on Monday morning to review. And I'm good for about 10. And then I'm out of gas. So, um, then I don't do a good review on those. And then you have that risk of things falling through the crack. So I have a, a daily kind of shutdown routine when I finish the day. And part of it is open OmniFocus and just go through whatever is up for review. And that doesn't mean like if I have a day that gets really hard or it gets really busy, that doesn't mean I'm going to, I'll skip review that day. But usually if things are working right, at the end of the day, I'll have somewhere between two and five projects that came up for review and I'll go through and I'll review them with the, the mental energy and focus that they need. And then I'm done. And I know I don't have to have those big blocks anymore. How about you? I, I don't have as structured a review method as, as you do. I do have things that come up for review regularly. I try to review every Sunday. It's kind of a Sunday thing that I do. Um, I don't do a review every day. 
but also you focus on that that defer system, which which really gives you a secondary review because they just show up. Right. I I will tell you I live in forecast view, um, and and I think that works for me because I have more of a, a defer based system, and and so many of my things, um, uh, you know, tend tend to fall more on you know things that are more. T- it, you know, it's funny because I have two different modes to my life. I have my my work life, which tends to be more Monday through Friday, and my personal life, which tend to be more Saturday and Sunday. So I've got you know things for work that I'm doing all all during the week, and then things for home that almost always get pushed off to the weekend. So it's kind of a, a weird uh, you know segregation of of those various tasks. So. Yeah, I I think um, and I don't I'm not trying to advocate for any particular position. In fact, I I think I'm hoping you'll walk away from this show thinking, oh, there's a lot of ways to do this because there are, and our goal is that you find a way that works for you, not copy the way we do it but the more exposure you have to different ways to run this stuff i think the more ideas you're going to have um i also do a thing called a meta review for lack of a better term where i am like on a monthly basis i go through those folders in the project list like i kind of made reference to this earlier but i just say what am i doing about my health and fitness you know what what did i do this month you know and it could be something simple as like oh you know what i'm going to really make an effort to start tracking food or i'm going to make a doctor appointment because it's been a long time but just like this is outside of omnifocus kind of review stuff and the other thing i will do is i will try to um once a month just look through my project list you know and i do this in bits and pieces too like i'll say uh, I'm going to take a look through my entire legal project list, or I'm going to look through my whole Max Sparky project list. You know, I kind of break it down because the whole idea with this stuff is the only way a review makes sense is if you're actually reviewing and focused. And I do think that the human brain, or at least this human brain, the one between my ears, only has so much time it can do that stuff before um, the quality of the review goes down significantly. The uh, the other thing I wanted to touch on, and I know we're about out of time today. Let's talk a little bit because um, we've talked about task management systems from you know big picture perspective, but right now we have access to these things on um, on the Mac and on mobile now. And I will tell you, my personal experience has been as mobile has gotten so good, there has been a little bit less distinction of of setting these things up and what I do on the Mac and what I do on mobile. I used to primarily use my mobile device more for processing through tasks in the day and use my Mac more for organizing tasks, creating tasks and and doing more management. I will still tell you that I skew more that way because it's easier for me to manage these things on my Mac and to do more organization and creating and, and those types of things. But it's gotten a lot easier now to do these on mobile. Yeah. I mean, the barriers have been largely removed. So do it wherever wherever you are and whatever you, whatever tool you've got in front of you. I'm in front of my Mac so many hours every day that I inevitably do a lot of it on the Mac, but when I'm not on the Mac, I'm fine. I, I was uh, in between meetings a few weeks ago and I w- I got to the next meeting and I was there like 40 minutes early and I didn't want to be the guy that went and sat in the waiting room for 40 minutes or the guy that said, Hey, I'm here early. You need to change your schedule for me. Uh, so I just, there was a park across the street. I went and sat on a park bench and I reviewed projects. You know, um, one of my locations and my perspectives is Starbucks because there's certain types of work that I do really well in Starbucks in that environment. I know it sounds goofy, but it's true. So 
I I may sit down in Starbucks with an iPad and hit the Starbucks um, location um, tag and then get work done for an hour. So this stuff can really work with you. Uh, I agree. I don't I don't think there is a preferred system at this point. You can do just about all this work on on all the platforms. And um and I in addition to not making this trying to not make this a commercial about OmniFocus, I'm also trying to make it a commercial about my. Uh, OmniFocus field guide, but I'll do that now anyway. It's five hours. It's 69 videos. There's more on the pipeline already. And it goes through all this stuff and shows you how to do it. So if you want to, if you want to watch me do it, go get it. And the price is going to go up at the end of the month. So get it now while it's cheaper. But the, um, but I, I have been on a journey with uh, digital task management that I've been, I've been, I've come to the realization in the last six months that, my whole system has changed a lot right now. It's a lot more loosey goosey um, than it used to be, but it works for me so much better now that I've been doing it this way. And no matter what tool you're using, I think it's always good to question the way you're using them. And for something as essential as a task manager, hopefully this show uh, sparked a few ideas for you. Well, there's certainly uh, a lot more discussion to be had on this, and I would encourage people to follow up uh, in our forums over at talk.macpowerusers.com. Uh, we'd love to hear your perspectives on this, and particularly if you're using other task management applications, uh, how you're implementing these things in your task management of choice, and if you're using paper. Let's, let's talk about that, too. Uh, I do want to thank our sponsors for this episode, Hover, 1Password, Squarespace, and Smile. And we've got a very special show coming up next week, so we will talk to you all then.